Good morning and welcome to the 7am Bible. This is Paul Chapman and this is episode number 20. I can't believe it, we've come this far. Thank the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and mercy to us. We thank you for waking us refreshed to a brand new day. And we pray now as we open your word, you'll guide us in its understanding that we may take a blessing from it for us this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. If you've uh, just joined us for the first time, we've been going through the life of Jacob. In our last episode, we looked at the ladder of Jacob's dream. Jacob needed assurance of his forgiveness with God, and God gave it to him in a remarkable way. You see, the ladder represented Jesus. By taking upon himself our sinful nature, we learnt that he planted the ladder firmly upon the earth. Through the divine nature, Christ is one with the Father, and by him assuming humanity, he identifies himself with us. We learnt that in Jacob's dream was represented the union of the human and the divine in Christ. Now as the angels pass to and fro on the ladder, God is represented as looking down with favour upon us because of the merits of his Son. This is the message God communicated to Jacob in that one brief dream. That's the assurance Jacob needed, and that's the assurance we can take with us. Now today, I just want to start off with uh, the last words of that dream that God gave to Jacob in Genesis 28 verse 15. He said here, And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Now how did Jacob respond to this wonderful dream and this assurance of God's blessing upon him? Well, let's have a read of it in Genesis 28 verses 16 to 22. It says here, And Jacob awakened out of sleep, out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the the, city was called Luz at the first. Now Bethel means Beth is house and El short for Elohim, God. So Bethel is house of God. And it goes on to say here in verse 20, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now note, I don't believe Jacob was here seeking to make terms with God. You see, God was going to be his God, and he accepted God as his God. The Lord had already promised him blessings and prosperity. Jacob's vow, you see, was the outflow of a heart filled with gratitude for the assurance of God's love and mercy. And Jacob was true to that vow. Alan White comments on this. She says, Jacob made his vow while refreshed by the Jews of grace and invigorated by the presence and assurance of God. 
After the, the divine glory had passed away, he had temptations like men in our time, but he was faithful to his vow and would not harbor thoughts as to the possibility of being released from the pledge which he had made. He might have reasoned much as men do now that this revelation was only a dream, that he was unduly excited when he made his vow, and that therefore he need not be uh, that therefore it need not be kept. But he did not. Jacob gave the tenth of all that he had, and then reckoned the, the use of the tenth, and gave the Lord the benefit of that which he had used for his own interest during the time he was in a heathen land, and could not pay his vow. This was a large amount, but he did not hesitate. That which he had vowed to God, he did not regard as his, but as the Lord's. Now that thought is an interesting thought from um, Ellen White here. I just want to talk about that for a moment, the giving of the tenth. What is this about? What, what is this meaning? Well, we need to understand firstly that everything in this world it belongs to God. I want to share, make that point first up. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That's you and me. And not only you and me, but all the animals. For uh, Psalm 50 verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. They all belong to God. And in Haggai uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, he says this, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. So everything belongs to God. Now, what does he want us to do with this? Well, we've got to understand uh, the, what I want to talk about here now is the circle of love. You see, God is love. And if I could define love in two words, it would be to give. That's what love does, and that's what God does. He gives perfect gifts continually. James 1 verse 17 tells us this. Let's read it here. James 1 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What's the greatest gift that God gave? John, yes, right, John 3.16, you guessed it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And note now also that not only did God, our Father, give us his Son, but Jesus gave himself in 1 Timothy 2, chapter, 5, uh, ch- uh, chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one media- mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And now what does he promise to do? Let's have a look here. God, it says here in Romans 8.32, spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Did you know that? That if God gave us Jesus, his own son, to die in our place, to deliver us from sin, how is it not then going to, how is he not then going to give you freely all that you need? You see, when our Heavenly Father gave us freely His Son, He gave all of heaven in in that one gift. And why did He and Jesus give to us of themselves? Well, Titus 2 verse 14 tells us, 
Jesus, it says here, gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. You see, salvation transforms us into a people zealous of good works. We become givers just like God instead of takers. Note what Galatians 1 verse 4 says, Our Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Now, to show just what this world is like, Paul in a prophecy concerning the last days tells us, For men shall be, he says here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 4 and 5, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This sounds like an Esau, doesn't it? The world that's given over to being a lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, lovers of their own selves. But God wants to transform us from this kind of attitude, from this kind of spirit. And when he does, the circle of love now is complete. We become givers instead of takers. You know, There's two kinds of people, I think, in this world when it comes to money. Proverbs 11.24 touches on it. It says this, Proverbs 11.24, I'm reading. "There There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. So let me just put that in in common day words. There is he that scatters, that is gives, and yet he increases. In his, in his, in his uh, w- possessions, in his wealth. And there is he that withholds back from giving more than his uh, due, but it tends to poverty, that he becomes poor for, for it. You know, the spirit of selfishness, it reigns in those that are takers. What they don't realize is what David realized. And I want you to uh, remember these words in 2 Corinthians 29, verses 11 and 12, to take note of these words here. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. And thou art exalted as head above all, both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give us strength unto all. So all that is in heaven and earth belongs to God. It's his, not ours. He not only owns all things, but Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18 tells us, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. So it's God that gives us power to get wealth. All the talents you have, your mental abilities, the skills, the knowledge, all of it comes from God. Now, some might say, hang on, I worked hard for everything that I have. It belongs to me. But what you don't realize, everything in this world belongs to Jesus twice over. Once by creation, he created you and me, and then a second time by redemption. 
buying it back, buying us back as the promised seed and thus its rightful owner and heir. He's the rightful owner and heir of you and me and of this world and everything that's in it. He provides the sunshine and the rain to give us food to, to enable us to work. He created the DNA that makes up who you are. And more than that, as I mentioned yesterday, according to Colossians 1, he upholds you by his own power constantly. He keeps your heart beating. And what does he want you to do in return? Well, let's have a read of this. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Did you hear that? In the same way, as much as you give to others, it will come back to you again. In time, who knows when it will be, but it will come back. That's the God's assurance to us. You know, our tendency is to think that we have a right to do with our means just as we please, no matter what the Lord has commanded or what may be the need of our fellow human being. But we forget that all we claim is ours has simply been entrusted to us. We are not owners. We are stewards of the Lord's goods. It's like a trust account. It's held in your name as the trustee, but you have the obligation and privilege to use it as the Lord directs. Let me share with you on this from Ellen White's beautiful book, Christ Object Lessons, just on this point. She writes this, Our money has not been given us that we might honor and glorify ourselves. As faithful stewards, we are to use it for the honor and glory of God. All that uh, all we possess is the Lord's, and we are accountable to Him for the use we make of it. In the use of every penny, it will be seen whether we love God supremely and our neighbor as ourselves. Money has great value because it can do great good. In the hands of God's children, it is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, and clothing for the naked. It is a defense for the oppressed and a means of help to the sick. But money is of no more value than sand, only as it is put to use in providing for the necessities of life, in blessing others, and advancing the cause of Christ. That's from her book, Christ Object Lessons, page 351. So, Alan White makes the point here that there are three things money is for. Number one, providing for the necessities of life. Number two, blessing others, and number three, advancing the cause of Christ. That's why God blesses us with property. He does this so that we may be able to give toward the advancement of his cause. But note, you know, this giving is not compulsory. No, it's just something that we do because of our realization of what God has done for us. Alan White wrote in a book, Acts of the Apostles, He sends the sunshine and the rain. He causes vegetation to flourish. He gives health and the ability to acquire means. All our blessings come from his bountiful hand. In turn, he would have men and women show their gratitude by returning him a portion in tithes and offerings, in thank offerings, in free will offerings, in trespass offerings. So, Today, as you go out there to acquire wealth, remember, Jesus is the one who has given you that power. He owns all things, and he will freely give you all things so that you can do with it what he would do. Satisfy your needs, bless others, and give to the support of the gospel ministry.
And that's what Jacob vowed to do, to give the tenth to the support of the ministry of God's word in the world, the preaching of the gospel and the knowledge of salvation. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this meditation this morning. We thank you for these words of encouragement and uh, these words of instruction for us and, and, and the realization that you own everything and that you want us, Lord, to be a faithful steward of the, go- of the goods you've entrusted to us. We thank you for the talents. We thank you for the abilities we have. We thank you for providing for all of our needs. And now I pray that that spirit of love and giving that you, that you have manifested to us might be uh, realized by all of us that we might give in turn back to you in the way that we use our money in this world. So bless us now today, we pray, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. I trust you've enjoyed our meditation this morning. And wherever you are, wherever you're going today, whatever you're doing, remember, take the Lord with you, be prayerful, be careful, and have a great day. And I look forward to you joining me for the next episode of the 7am Bible. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am warm. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light take my hand precious lord lead me home